All right, so my name is Petey. Um, some of you may have heard my surname, maybe not. It's, it sounds scary. It's van der Westeisen. And you may think, where is this guy from where he got such a surname? Uh, so I'm from South Africa. I'm, I guess you could say Dutch heritage. And uh, I, I, I grew up there my whole life. I moved here about two years ago uh, because I met a beautiful American bride. And uh, her name is Christina. And we got married about two years ago. If you don't know where South Africa is on a map, Okay, it's, it's the bottom part of Afri Africa, right? Yeah, Cape Town. I was born there. Yeah, cool. But I want to tell you that even though I come from the other side of the world, what God is doing on that side of the world is the same that he's doing here and everywhere else. And I want to tell you a little bit about it if you're not aware of it. Because I don't know if you've realized that you are sitting in a place in history, on the timeline of history, that is incredibly special that is different from 500 years ago. It's different from 1,000 years ago. It's different from 1,500 years ago. What happened 2,000 years ago is being restored in your midst today right now like it hasn't been in 2,000 years. Because see, what happened is, we, we, we talk, when we think about this Feast of Shavuot, which, you know, can we talk about that feast for a bit? At Mount Sinai, God comes and he gives us his beautiful law. He gives Israel his ways of living. And then 2,000 years ago at Mount Zion, he comes and he pours out his Holy Spirit upon his people. And at that point, the world is turned upside down because these men... These disciples, these apostles, their ministry, empowered by the Holy Spirit, starts invading pagan cities, invading pagan temples. And these places became churches. These places became cities full of believers. And it's by the thousands that, and that's why you're sitting here, by the way, because of what started back then. But why is it that sometimes we think about it as something that was back then? We think about it as that, that, that thing back there, that, that, that event back there. That's how God used to do it, oh, but not anymore. Now we have tradition. Now we have other things, right? I want to submit to you, along the way, th things did creep in that weren't totally Father's heart. Traditions and, and teachings of men that started divorcing us from his law, his ways of living. But not only just that, also his Holy Spirit. Because see, if you, if you really think about it, what happened at Mount Sinai, it was a shock to the people who received it. In fact, it right there at the base of the mountain, they were so stuck in their Egyptian ways of thinking that they built a golden calf right there. And at Mount Zion, when God poured out His Spirit, something similar happened. There were some people in the back of the room, I don't know if you remember Acts chapter 2, some people in the back of the room whispering, oh, these men, they're drunk. These men, they're drunk. This can't be God." them speaking in, in tongues. What is this? They're just, what is this? Every time God does something, every time God deposits something in his people, there's going to be two types of people. Those who say, Lord, you're doing it. What the prophets spoke of, you're doing. What you've done, you're doing in my midst right now. And there's going to be others who are going to be resistant. They're going to say, what is this? I don't like it. You see, brothers and sisters, you are, you are a certain type of person. I want to ask you who you are. What kind of a believer are you? I'm going to give you three examples here. And I want you to just, just think about these for a second. The first one, I became a believer in Yeshua and remained in the same church for my entire life. My parents was a part of this church and their parents were. Our tradition must be the truth. Okay. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying there's people who fit in this category, and it may be you. 
I mean, we all grow up a certain way. Maybe you grew up in a church and that's where you are. You believe what you believe because that's what mom and dad believes and that's how we go. That's good, all right? Or you number two, maybe. I became a believer in Yeshua and started attending church, but I discovered errors in my denomination, my movement, and I moved to another after discovering the truth. Then I continued pursuing that denomination, that movement, the rest of my life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you grew up in a certain way, a tradition, a certain church movement, denomination, and then halfway through, you start realizing, well, there's some things in my Bible that just don't add up with what I've been taught. And you leave maybe that church, and maybe you go to another one, and you become a part of that church, become a part of that movement. I'm not saying it's right, I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying that's how it is, many of us. Or you may be this, this group, number three. I became a believer in Yeshua, and I never stopped making changes in whichever way needed in life and with regards to what I believed in the pursuit of walking as my Messiah walked. Now see, I don't know if you've realized there's a little difference between those first two groups and the third one. The first two groups, they're looking towards a denomination, towards a movement. They're basically looking towards what others around them are doing. Because see, here's the thing. This is just human nature. We're, we're a social kind of, we're social people. And so we look at what others do. And we create a bubble of people around us who share our values, our beliefs. Because it does many things, including making us feel safe. Because if he believes the same I believe, then I must be safe and what I believe must be true and, and I feel validated by that. And that can be true and that can be real, but there's also people who believe falsehood who fall into that. Of, oh, he believes the same. Everyone in my church believes the same as me. I must be all right. The only problem is, it's when we come before our Father one day. He's not going to ask you, not going to say, Lord, that's what my pastor told me. Lord, that's what my church believed. Lord, I was just there following what they were saying. You see, that's the difference. Those two groups were following a movement, a denomination, but the third person says, I don't care about that. I want to follow the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Because there is no one else, no other movement, no denomination that will save you. You see, if I was going to invite Yeshua back, if he was going to give me the honor of coming in the flesh right here, right now, and I would ask him, hey, Yeshua, could you tell us you're back? Oh, are you coming back as a Baptist? Are you coming back as maybe a Catholic? Are you coming back as a Hebrew rooter? <laughs> are you coming back as a Messianic? Well, like, what do you, who are you back? He would say, Peter, what are you talking about? I am the way and so that's what i want to ask you tonight as we begin here are you going to be here and you're going to listen to me thinking about what you were taught and what people around you believe or are we going to go to what who yeshua was are we going to see who he really is and we're going to look at his life you see we're going to just see hey this is his life this is what he did is this what i'm imitating because see, the definition of a disciple, you want to call yourself a disciple. The definition of a disciple is the one who imitates their rabbi, their teacher. You see, you go back to the first century. It's not like this today anymore as much, but in the first century, you're a disciple. That means that you're going to learn everything you can learn about your mentor, your, mentor, your rabbi. And you're going to learn how he does everything so well that by the time he either passes away or leaves or whatever, you're going to be his legacy. In other words, you're going to walk, and when people look at your life, they're going to be like, wow, you look just like your teacher. And you're going to be like your teacher still here, even if he's not. And that's exactly what it means to be a disciple of Yeshua. He's supposed to live here in and through you. And that's the question. So what I want to submit to you is in the first century when he was walking around, this issue that I'm talking about now was very prevalent. I'm going to read this to you. Okay, John uh, chapter 6. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, Yeshua speaking. Not as your fathers ate the manna and died. 
He who eats this bread shall live forever. From then on, many of his taught ones withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Yeshua therefore said to the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Then Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You possess words of eternal life. You see, what Yeshua is saying here is pretty profound. He's talking about the manna and with, uh, and when they came out of Egypt, Israel and the Exodus. The manna fell from heaven, Moses, uh, you know, through Moses. And, and they're talking about that. And, and Yeshua is saying, that manna back there, that's not going to save you. Your ancestors all died in the wilderness, but that manna pointed to me because I'm the true bread, and if you eat of me, you'll live forever. And for them, that was a little too big for their tiny minds because their minds were full of tradition. The ways of how they were taught about what it means and how it is and how we get saved and, and all this stuff was there, and they couldn't grasp the fact that he is saying, I am what everything is pointing to. And then it says that they started going away. They left. They had somewhere else to go. But the disciples, they say, where else shall we go? You possess words of eternal life. Where did all those other people go to? Think about it. They went to their movements, their, church, their churches, synagogues, their ways of their belief system that they were in before they came to Yeshua at, that, at this point. They return to that instead. You see, it's always this choice we're faced with. Okay, so I want to tell you, because I, I was in this same situation when I, was, when I was a teenager in high school. You know, when you get to that age, well, not everyone gets to this place always at that age, but I did. I started thinking about the world, and I was like, you know what, this world is kind of crazy. I was dropped into this earth, this thing called earth, and now I need to figure out what this is all about, where I'm going, because if this means something, I better make it count. And I realized that God revealed himself to me. He, I knew that he was there. I knew he was real. But I had a bigger problem than figuring out whether he was real or not. And that is which way. Because the world says there's 33,000 ways. 33,000 denominations plus is where we're at in Christianity today. And so I was so distraught by this, confused, because look, I, I grew up in a, one of those. I grew up in a Dutch Reformed uh, church, my family, we went every Sunday, okay? I, but I came before the Lord and I'm like, Father, okay, I, I'm going to follow you. But Lord, there's a condition. I need to know the truth. I need to know which way. And as I fell on my knees asking the Lord this question, the next Sunday we didn't go to church. And it wasn't that we planned or anything. We just didn't go for whatever reason. And, and then the Sunday thereafter, we just, we just didn't go again. And it was just for whatever reason. And, and then the Sunday after that, we didn't go again. And people are kind of freaking out at this point, like, why are you guys not coming to church anymore? But then we started meeting in our, in our homes we started just reading the Bible for ourselves, just like, wow, uh, wow, there's this, all this stuff in here, you know? Because, see, before, we would always be late for church, so we end up in the front row seat in church, and we would be under the pasture right there. And, 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 and to be honest with you, just to be honest, our relationship with God was really through this pasture. And I'm not saying that he was a bad guy or anything, it's just that that's how it was. But then we started realizing when we read things for ourselves, wow, wow, wow. And, and we started realizing there's all these other things we're not sure about. Wow, because, you know, I don't know if it all makes sense anymore with what we were taught. And, 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 and we started realizing some stuff. And then, you know, we got on this journey where the Father just opened up like his fourth commandment. How the Sabbath is so beautiful and real and still for today. And it's actually a blessing and not a curse. Amen, right? And, and we start realizing, well, God's feast days, like they're, they're a blessing. They point to Him and to now to the future, and He's still going to do some stuff with them, right? All these amazing things, we just, wow, we were in, we were in like this utopia with all these discoveries we were making, right? And I head to, headed to university. I got into a Bible study 
which with like-minded people, they thought just like me. It was like, wow, amazing. And we started reading the Bible together a lot and growing. And, I, and it was a wonderful. I grew in knowledge. I, I got really smart. In fact, in fact, none of my friends would dare debate me because I would always be right and I'd make sure that they know I'm right because I've got the truth. And they're still stuck. Oh, shame, right? That's where I was. I started to come into this place of, to be honest with you, I got stuck in pride. Because, see, the Bible says it, and it warns, knowledge will puff you up. We're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But get too much of it without the love aspect, without the spirit aspect, and you'll get puffed up. And that's what started happening. I became a terrorist, right? And so, I, I, and then I started getting a little bothered because, you know, when I opened my Bible and I, and I read through it, I started realizing, wow, there's a lot of things about Yeshua that's just plain, uh, I mean, I, I understand it all, but to, if I'm just going to be honest with you, like, it's, I, it's just a little foreign and a little weird to me. Like the fact that he, he actually loved people he didn't even know. I mean, I struggle to even love my own family and close friends properly, but he's going to strangers, and never mind strangers, enemies, people who hate him, and he's loving them. Never mind the, the book of Acts. If you read that book, it's really weird. It's the first century historical book, basically, of what happened in the first century church. It's full of miracles, signs, wonders. And I'll be honest with you, when I looked at my life, there was none of that. I've never seen a miracle. Not, not like that. I, I mean, I've, I've maybe heard something, but I haven't seen it in my life. I haven't seen it in the lives of anyone around me, close to me. I don't blame them. I was just like them, right? But it bothered me because I asked the Lord all those years ago, God, I will follow you, but I need the truth, remember? But now I'm in this place where, yeah, I've got... I've got truth. He's revealed knowledge about his word to me. But now I'm stuck in this place where I, I know a lot, but, but I'm like an empty tomb of dead man's bones. Because see, I thought that if I just know the word, that alone is going to be it. And look, there's a lot of value in knowing the word. It's part of the puzzle. But don't think that that's, at all, that's all of it. Because the Pharisees who came against Yeshua, they knew the word really well. But when, when love walked right in front of them, healing people, doing things, they couldn't even recognize him. But they knew it. They were probably smarter than anyone in this room with the Torah. Ooh. And then I fell on my knees yet again. And this time my prayer was a little different. Lord, I need your spirit. Because I realized that that thing uh, in, my, in my church before I was taught, oh, you know, yeah, the Holy Spirit, he helps you understand the word. And that's true. But that was all he was. That's all he does. But is that all he does? Is that all he is in the word? Is that all he ever accomplished? Did God send his Holy Spirit so we can just understand the word better and learn how to win debates more? Or, or is there something more to it? And so as I fell on my knees praying this prayer, I prayed this prayer not a day, not two days, a year, over a year, I'm praying this prayer, Lord, I need your spirit, I need to understand, I, I feel empty, something is wrong here. And then I, I got this dream, just, just one night, and, I, and I'm not a guy, the kind of guy that gets prophetic dreams and visions and all this stuff and words, and I, I'm not that kind of guy, right? I, I've never had that at that point. And I, but I, 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 I go to bed that night and I have this dream. I'm standing in the streets of Jerusalem. And as I'm standing there, I'm in this marketplace. And there's this little boy in front of me. And with him is this little girl. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to them and I'm telling this boy to pray for this little girl's shoulder because there's something wrong with her shoulder. And, and he does, and she gets better, she gets healed, she turns around, she runs to her mother, she brings her Jewish mother. And I say, 
this was Yeshua who did this for your daughter. And I wake up. And, and I'm, I'm kind of like, is this from God? Just, it was very vivid. Like, it was, very, it was, it was quite different. Like, what was up with that? And as I th- pondered this dream, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to fast and pray. I got the dream this Saturday. I fast and pray that week. Or sorry, I had it a Sunday, the dream. Fast and pray that week. And the next Saturday, the Father, he, he changed my life. Because see, I am sitting at my, uh, I'm, I'm studying at the University of Pretoria in Pretoria, South Africa. And I'm sitting in my apartment there and I just get this thought. And it's, it's just a thought. It, it just comes and it's, go to Hatfield Square. There's someone you need to meet. And I'm thinking, why am I thinking this? I don't have anyone to meet there. Like, and it's just, go to Hatfield Square. There's someone you need to meet. And I'm, and I'm kind of a little bit irritated even with myself because I'm a little confused. I'm like, because this thought doesn't leave me. Even if I try to do something else, it, it doesn't leave me. Go to Hatfield Square. There's someone you need to meet. And I kind of get in my car. Okay, I don't know, even know what I'm doing. I'm driving, I'm going to Hatfield Square, it's five minutes from my house. I stop, I get out of my car, and this man, he walks right up to me. And I, and I ask him, uh, well, he starts talking to me. He, he, he says, hey, I, I want to tell you my story. And I'm, okay, and he starts talking before I even say anything. And he's just telling me about his, his life and how he's going through a lot of stuff. And, and I'm just... I'm standing here, I'm listening to him, but I'm, I'm not really hearing a lot of what he's saying because all I'm seeing is his shoulder. And it's not that his shoulder is weird, broken, hanging, or anything like that. It's not that he told me something's wrong. I don't know, he looks fine. But there's, my eyes are just like, there's something about his shoulder. And it bothers me. And you know, at this point, I'm so desperate because I've been praying this prayer for a year, and I'm hungry. I'm starving. And I'll ask him, brother, I, I get what you're saying, but listen, what's up with your shoulder? And he kind of looks at me, kind of like, yeah, I, I, I can't lift it like past year, because I heard it, like it's an immense pain. And I'm like, and at this moment, my heart just like, freaks out and I'm just like getting so scared because you need to understand at this point in my life I've never prayed for a person before I've never done any weird stuff like that I've okay I'm and I'm a shy guy believe it or not I'm actually at that point like even worse okay really bad with people and strangers and stuff and this but this guy I see his shoulder he says something's wrong and I'm like hey brother can I pray for your shoulder? Because Jesus is going to heal that right now. And the moment I say that, I'm like, in my, in my mind, I'm like, oh no. And I'm, I'm getting so scared. My heart is beating and I'm afraid. And, and I've already said too much. <laughs> and, and he says, okay, sure, it's fine. I'm, and I don't know what to do, but I'm just like, okay, Father, I thank you in the name of Yeshua, Lord. I speak to the shoulder and I command it to be healed now in the name of Yeshua. Amen. And see, now I have a choice. The first option is what I want to do, and that's to run. (laughs) And the second is to ask that question. Tell me how it feels now. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure. Oh my goodness, brother! There's no, there's no pain, and I'm like, and I'm like, what? Really? Like, are you sure? It's like, no, there's no pain, and and I'm thinking, I'm honest, I'm thinking, you're just telling me that because you don't want me to feel bad. And as I'm thinking this, he turns around, and he runs, and he says, "Wait there," and I'm like okay, and I'm standing there, and a few seconds later, he comes back with his friend, and he's dragging his friend along, and his friend is walking like this, and I'm like, okay, 
because it's my first night on the job, okay? <laughs> and as this guy comes up, I'm, I'm really scared. And, and, and I, I said, okay, well, let me just try it again, you know, what I did. And Father, I just thank you. I speak to his knee right now. In the name of Yeshua, I command this knee, you be healed now. Amen. Okay, and you know, just, just try it out. And he just started walking, and he's like, there's no pain. And he starts going like this. There's no pain. And, 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 and his friend says, I told you so. He did it to me too. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And, and I turn around, and there's another guy. He's standing there. Hey, can you pray for me? Because, see, this is a busy part of town. There's a lot of people, and they're seeing, some people saw what happened. And there's a guy, and he asked me to pray for him. I pray for this guy. I turn around, and there's another guy. Can you pray for me, please? I'm like, okay, sure, yeah. I pray for this guy. And, and I turn around, and there's another guy, and he says, can you pray for me, too? And I turn around, and there's another guy. And he's got a backache. He says, I, I, I don't know. I have a backache. I can't bend further than this, and I think I have a demon. And I'm like, okay, that sounds scary. I don't. <laughs> but I, I don't know how to deal with that. Like, really, I, I don't. But I, I, just, I just put my hand on his back. Lord, I thank you. And I get pulled. And this other man from out of nowhere, I don't know who he is. He pulls me. He pulls me. He says, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Don't do that. And I'm kind of like, what's going on? And, and the next moment, the Holy Spirit just wells up in me I, I i don't know and and i and i turn to him i point to him i say you go in the name of yeshua and he turns around and he runs and there's something you need to understand at this point i, I don't know who here has ever flown in a plane okay just flown in a plane like a passenger okay I don't know if you know this, but if you fly in a plane these days, like, well, if you're actually the pilot of the plane, they, these planes fly themselves. You, you get in the plane, the pilot, right? He, he takes off because he has to do that part. He gets in the air. He hits a button called autopilot. And then the plane, it flies itself, basically, to the destination. And then when it gets time to land, the pilot comes and he's like, okay, and he, he turns autopilot off and he, and he lands the plane. Okay, that's the scary part, you know, when it, when it goes down and when it goes up. That's the scary part of any plane when, you, when you're in it. And that's how it is with the Spirit. Because see, for me, when I got to that first guy with his shoulder, that was a scary takeoff. Trust me. I was afraid. And I was the one who had to do it all myself, manually asking him, can I pray for you, etc., but just about after that first, that second guy got healed, that when that started happening, the rest was like I was sitting in the back seat just watching. And it was like Yeshua, I was sitting in Yeshua's seat in the first century. Because what happened from there on was a blur. It was I was on autopilot. And that was where I was. When that man pulled me, what I, my point is this to you. You say, Peter, you sound so bold. I say, you've got no idea what you're talking about because I'm a coward without the Holy Spirit. But I have to go and I have to trust him. I have to take that step. And then the rest, I just go. And he takes the rest of the way. And when I turned, that was him. That was his doing. And the man ran. And now, after that man ran, I'm back. This guy with his back is there. And I'm like, okay, man, let's try this again. Lord, I thank you, God. We command his back be healed now in the name of Yeshua. Amen. And he bends down. And he says, I felt this, like, something, like, happened. And I'm like, okay, well, and he bends down and he says, there's no pain. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. And I'm, and I'm just praising God and I, I don't, I'm just overwhelmed. And I, and I turn around and there's another man. And he says, Petey, or he doesn't know my name. Hey, can you pray for me? Just pray for my teeth. And, okay, sure, I'll just, Lord, I thank you, Lord. We speak to his teeth. Thank you, Lord. Freedom now, amen. And he's like, okay, yeah, you know, it's, it's the same. 
it doesn't really feel different. I'm like, okay, sure, let's just try again, you know. Yeah, sure. Okay, Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord. Speak to his teeth, Lord, I thank you for complete healing. And I'm like, okay, just, just feel it, you know. No, you know what, brother, it's the same. But it's okay, you know, maybe one day God heals it, you know. I'm like, okay, brother, but hey, if you don't mind, could I pray again for you? He's like, sure. Okay, cool. Lord, I thank you, God, for freedom now in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Okay, hey, just taste it. Oh, brother, it's the same. It's all right. I'm like, okay, brother, hey, would you mind if I pray again? <laughs> Father, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Yeshua. Freedom now. Thank you for all pain and go. Amen. Okay, just test it. Oh, man, you know, it's still, no, nah, it's the same. I'm like, hey, brother, can I pray again? <laughs> Lord, I thank you in the name of Yeshua, okay? And he says, wow, brother, it feels a little better, I think. I'm like, okay, cool, let's just try again. Father, I thank you, pray again. <laughs> wow, brother, I think it's really been getting better. I pray like eight, nine, ten times. And he says, brother, wow, I, I, don't, I don't feel the pain anymore. But brother... Uh, you know what, I think it's going to come back tonight. No, no, but well, well, well you know, I, I, I tell them, hey, you know what, brother, it's my first night on the job. I don't know. What about tomorrow I come back, I meet you, and we'll see. To be honest with you, you know, I'm just being real with you guys. I'm like, I really want to know. Is this just like them getting better for now? Or is this real? And so... Because it's this part of me that's, that's still in the flesh, in the carnal mind. And there's this other part of me that's jumping with joy and excitement of what's happening. And I get in my car after everything. I prayed for about 15 to 20 people that night. I get in my car. And when I get in the car, the plane lands. And I realize what just happened. And I, and, and I started tearing up. I started crying myself home as I'm driving. And the Holy Spirit of God enters the car. And he says, Petey, this is not about you. This is for my bride. And I desire for her to walk in it. And I just realized what happened. Not just that, oh, this happened to me. But I realized this is what God wants to do. And I, and I get home, I go to bed that night, I, I wake up in the morning, I'm brushing my teeth, and, and I'm, I'm like in a different world. It feels like I got saved all over again. Because look, I got saved before. I, I was saved by then. But this was such an impact on my life that it felt like almost like I wasn't. Because that's how huge this was for me. And so that day, this is a Sunday, I, I get in my car, I drive up back to Hatfield Square because I want to meet my guy with the teeth. I get there, I get out of the car, and as I start walking in that direction where he was, I see a man running from far away. And I see him running, it's him, he's running to me. And he says, and he calls me Pastor, because he doesn't know my name, he just knows I'm the guy who prayed for him. Pastor, Pastor, I want to tell you something. I'm like, yeah, what's up? What happened now? He said, Pastor, you prayed for me yesterday. You know, I couldn't believe it. I thought that it may come back. Last night was the first night in months where I had no pain. Oh, come on. Man. And, I, and at that moment, all my doubts just, just started going. And I realized because I saw the fruit of my own eyes. The next day, I go to university. I have a few Christian friends, those ones I debated so much. And there in my class, I get, uh, I'm standing outside of our department, right? And I'm talking to them and I'm telling them about what happened this weekend. Because I'm so excited and on fire about this. And as I'm telling them this testimony, there's these two girls who are walking by, and they're going, and the one is um, walking with crutches, and I know that both of them are like heavy new agers, they're not believers, okay, they're, you know, and as they're walking by, my friends are looking at them, and they're looking at me, <laughs> because I just told them that story, and at that point, I kind of regretted it, and, but God is really I'm, I feel this 
the same kind of feeling of, I, I have to go, but I don't want to go, but I have to kind of thing. And they go sit down at a bench, and I go and I walk up to them. And you need to understand that this girl is sitting with her friend, and she's sitting, she's smoking. And uh, I walk up to them, and I'm like, hey, what happened to your leg? And she, she tells me what happened to it, and I'm like, okay, hey, could, would you mind if I pray for you in the name of Jesus? Because I believe he can heal you. Really? And she looks to her friend. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, sure. Lord, I just thank you right now, God, for her knee, Lord. I thank you for freedom in her knee now. Amen. And I'm like, hey, just, just test it out. Like, okay, sure. And she, started, she starts getting up a bunch. She's like, she looks at her friend. And her friend says, what? It actually feels better. And, and, and I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. Is it all the way? No, it's not all the way. Okay, just sit down. Okay. She sits back down. Lord, I just thank you for all the way right now. Everything. Brand new knee. No pain. Thank you, God. Okay, just try it again. I'm like, okay. And her cigarette is kind of vanishing. And she, she looks at me. She says, there's no pain. She grabs her friend's hand. We're going to go now. And she walks like with her crutches, with her friend, back into the building. Because she doesn't know what to do with it. I, I couldn't, it was, praise God. And, brothers and sisters, I, I, these things started happening to me. It didn't always happen like that. There were some times when I walked up to someone and I prayed and it didn't go the way I had hoped. But see, I didn't like to have what I don't see determine what the Bible says I should. I didn't like to have my experience inform my future expectations of what should happen. Because see, what we sometimes do is we, we go and we, we pray, and oh, something didn't happen the way I should. I guess that's just not how what God wants. And, you know, I guess that's not His that Bible is not really his will anymore, and so we'll, we're sure making up a lot of excuses as to why not, except Yeshua never did. Yeshua never said any of the excuses we come up with for why we don't want to pray for someone, for why it doesn't happen this or that way we hoped it would, or whatever. He just, he just kind of did it. And so when this all happened to me, brothers and sisters, I... I started realizing that, that what Paul said made so much more sense. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with excellence of speech, of wisdom, proclaiming to you the witness of God, for I, for I resolved not to know any matter among you except Yeshua the Messiah and Him impaled. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And my word and my preaching were not with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power, in order that your belief should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You must understand who Paul was. He knew more Torah than me or you or anyone in this room. He knew it memorized back, front to back. He studied under Gamaliel, the learned of the learned. He knew the Bible very well. And he is coming to you and he is saying, when I came to you, like in the church or some service, like something like this, he came and he says, I'm afraid. He says, I don't know anything. I make myself null and void. I don't know anything except Christ and him crucified. And I don't come to you with persuasive words of man's wisdom. I don't, I don't want to persuade you by what I know. I don't want to persuade you by those things because you're going to put your faith in me and you're going to think I'm so smart. You're going to think that, oh, look at Paul. And then if Paul made a mistake, you're going to fall with him. That's what happens today. We have so many great, wonderful teachers, smart, but they don't have the demonstration of the Spirit that Paul was talking about. He says, I came in the demonstration of the Spirit so that your faith would not be in the man, but in God.
So when the man fails you, because he will, it doesn't matter. Because it was the spirit that was demonstrated to you that put your faith where it should be in Father. And so I, I reckon now that our lives aren't supposed, don't get me wrong, this is not about, I am not speaking down on wisdom, and Paul is not either. I'm not speaking down on knowledge or of the word or any of that. But I'm saying if it's at the cost of the demonstration of the Spirit, you don't know what you're doing. If it's at the cost of demonstration of the Spirit, Paul says it's wrong. And look, if you're sitting there, you're like, Petey, whoa, this is heavy, bro. I'm like, I understand, because I was there. I knew the Bible, but I didn't have that. But what I had to do was get on my knees and say, God, I need your spirit. Amen. 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 And so I want to tell you, I want to remind you, of, you know, people, we, I just want, let's just go to the world where we are right now in history. Many people are scared. Many people are thinking of the future. Oh, it's, you know, with the pandemic, especially now, everyone is like, it's at the end of the world. Is Yeshua coming back? And, and we start thinking about, we start hearing the whispers of, is the greater exodus coming? And we're, we're thinking of all that stuff, okay? And it's exciting. It's interesting. No, I understand that. But, but I want to ask you something. I want to challenge you. What happened in the Exodus in the Bible? Moses, at the end of it, by the, well, not by the end of it, but by the end of uh, leaving Egypt, they're at, the, they're at the Red Sea, they're at the crossing, and there's the sea in front of them. There's a bunch of chariots coming, and I don't know about you, but when I look at that, it's, it looks a little scary. And this is the most... At that point in history, this is the most elite of the elite war machines, okay? It's coming, all of them, and Israel is there, grandmother is there, the kids are there, everyone alike, they're all there, they're not fast, and there's a sea in front of them. And Moses, as you all know, takes the staff and he splits the sea. And that's easy for us to go and think, you know what, Sheesh, if I was in that position, I'd do the exact same thing. <laughs> the only problem is, is we think that, we say that, but the moment that you're on the bus with a blind lady, you can't pray for her eyes to be opened. You can't go and be a witness. You can't muster up the boldness to do that. How do you think you're going to split a sea? I'm speaking to myself. I'm speaking to you. We say, oh God, I've got my pantry stocked with food. I'm ready for this. You've got no idea what you're talking about. That was kindergarten compared to what's coming. And right now you're in boot camp. Right now, things are easy. You're sitting in a nice, safe church. You're not threatened. You're not persecuted. Don't tell me you're persecuted. You've got no idea. You're not persecuted. You're not being persecuted by the vaccine. That's nothing, okay? It's, it's not... It's not it's really not that bad. Okay, so we're in this place where we're safe. Now is the time to get ready. Now is the time to cry out. Because if you don't cry out now, and you get to a Red Sea moment, you're going to say, Moses, did you just bring us out here to make us graves? Did you just bring us out here to have us die here? Because it's going to be so scary, you're not going to be able to think straight. It's easy to think when you're not in the moment. But if you don't prepare now, you won't be ready then. But, but let's, let's think a little bit more about Moses, because I think there's something here, isn't there? Moses is a baby, right? And her, his mother puts him in the lake. He's eventually taken by the maidservants of the Egyptians, and he's taken into the Egyptian household. He becomes the prince of Egypt. He is an Egyptian. He grows up Egyptian. This is who he thinks he is. This is his identity. And then God comes to him, long story short, and reveals, Moses, you're not really an Egyptian. Like, you're a Hebrew. You're an Israelite. And for Moses, this is, this is 
oh, wow, and this starts changing his direction. And soon thereafter, Moses finds him at the famous encounter with the burning bush. And at this burning bush, there's a few things that happen that is just profound. Because what Moses does is he comes to the burning bush, God speaks to him, and God tells Moses, so Moses, I'm going to use you to get uh, Israel out of Egypt to let Pharaoh, um, let Israel go, and you need to help me with that. And, and Moses, here's the Torah, take the commandments and take it to Egypt, take it to Pharaoh, take it to Israel, they're going to want to go, take it to Egypt, just show Egypt, flash it in front of Pharaoh, and he's going to just let everyone go, and um, that's going to be it. If you know your Bible, you're going to say, Petey, you're, you're a false prophet now. Because that's not how it went. Why didn't it go that way? The word is powerful, is it not? But why didn't it go that way? Instead, no, God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, pick up that staff. And Moses, he picks up the staff and it turns into a snake. And he lets it go. And he says, Moses, pick up the snake. And he picks up the snake. And it turns into a staff. He says, Moses, take your hand and put it in your cloak. He puts it in his cloak. He takes it out. And it is as leprous. And he puts it back in. And it is clean. He says, Moses, take water. Pour it out on the floor. And it will be as blood. Blood. God comes to Moses and he gives him spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift of miracles, to be more specific. He shows Moses the power of the Spirit and he shows Moses how he's going to be used by the power of the Spirit. And he says, now Moses, here's what you do. You go to Pharaoh and you demonstrate my wonders to Pharaoh. To all of Egypt... And most importantly to the children of Israel, because they're not going to come out even if you don't get them to come out. And that's what he does. And as we know the story, God shows his wonders. And then they start coming out. But but why, why did God appear in a burning bush? I mean, think about it. God has appeared in other ways to people before. Why a burning bush? Why, why, what's so special about that? I want to ask you, I want to take you a little bit back just for a moment to where Yeshua healed that blind man. And that blind man said, I see men walking as trees. Do you remember? And we see in other parts of Scripture this, this correlation that where, where, where men are often, uh, or trees are often symbolic of men, right? So we see this connection. And now I want to ask you this. What's the biggest danger to any tree. Oh, that's so good. Have you, have you watched my teachings or anything? <laughs> Just a good guess? Yeah, that's it. Fire, right? So, we have the greatest danger to a tree is fire. What's the greatest danger for the human soul? Are you going to get this one right? Let's see. To the human soul. Yeah, yeah. God himself. Do not fear the one who can destroy the body, but the one who can destroy both body and soul in Gehenna. If you're on the wrong side of him, that's the biggest danger for the human soul. Now, fire, tree, what if God was coming in a burning bush because he wanted to demonstrate to Moses and everyone here, what he wants us to walk like and look like. Because remember, Moses is attracted to the bush. He says, what is it about this bush that it burns continuously? That's why he went and checked it out. You see, God wants to come. You see, this, this was not possible 
because the veil was not torn yet, because the Spirit was not poured out, because, and why was He not poured out? Because Yeshua hadn't died for your sins, and you were not clean, made clean. And because you were not made clean, and you were not holy, then no Holy Spirit could indwell your temple. But when the veil was torn, He says, it is good that I go, so that when I ascend, my Holy Spirit can descend upon you, and now, for the first time in history, you can become a burning bush. Because even though God would consume you otherwise, like at Mount Sinai, don't come near the mountain, he says. But now he says, I am pouring myself out upon you because I have made you clean. And now I can fill you so you can be the burning bush. So that when, you, when you're that light in the midst of the forest, because there's a lot of trees in this world, but if you're the one that burns continuously and you do not burn out, the world, are, they're going to say, what is it about this man? What is it about this woman that she, that he, they burn continuously? There's something about them that's so different that I've never seen before, and I need to understand what it is. And you will become the burning bush. You will become the walking wonder of God in this Egypt, in this world. And you will be able to convince Pharaoh to, that he must let his people go. You will be able to convince Israel, the people of God, his children who are unconvinced that they need to get free from the slaveries they're in, that they can choose to be free. But it cannot happen by taking the Torah and just showing it to their face. Because what happened thereafter? After he convinced them by the power of his spirit that they should come out, then he took them to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai thereafter, now that they've seen his wonders, they're convinced of his power, his majesty, his love for them above all. Now they're actually interested. Now they're actually interested. And they listen. Lord, and they say, I do, we do, we'll, we'll keep it, whatever you say. Did they? They tried. And Moses says at some point in the story, oh, how I just wish how your spirit would be poured out upon all of these people. That's what he said. Moses, that was his greatest wish. I've heard people say, I wish we could just go back to like when it was with Moses. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm happy where I am right now. Because Moses wished he was here. After the Spirit was poured out upon all. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, do you want to just be a tree? Because you can, you can study the Word. It's powerful but you could still be a tree and never get lit? Or are you going to get lit with His Holy Spirit and burn continuously and never burn out? What do you want? Because if you choose to simply become part of another movement, you don't get to be a part of this. Because what God chooses is He says, I'm looking for worshipers of spirit and truth. You won't worship me on this mountain or on that mountain. But you will be a worshiper of spirit and truth. He was telling that to a Samaritan woman. She was arguing. She was saying, we worship on this mountain. The Jews worship on that mountain. We are part of this denomination and movement. You're part of that denomination movement. He says, I want to dwell in your temple. The temple won't be here or there. It's going to be inside of you. I'm going to take you into the world. Wherever you go, you're going to be the temple. Come on. Are you ready to be a temple? So now you're going to ask me, Petey, okay, you sold me. How do I get to be a part of that? I'll remind you of something. I'll, I'll, I'll refer you to what Yeshua said about this. He was telling his story to his disciples. And you don't have to read. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to quote it for you. He said, I want to tell you about this man. He went and he was in his household and he was there and he had a special guest who was going to visit him that night. And he realized we don't have bread in his house. 
And in and, and, and the first century, by the way, that's a big problem. You don't have bread, like, that's kind of basic. And he's like, oh, honey, we need to get bread because my honored guest is coming tonight. And the wife probably says, hey, okay, run to the neighbor and, and ask some bread there. And he, he okay, he, he runs to the neighbor and he, and he goes and he's like, hey, neighbor, could you just borrow me some bread? You know, I have an honored guest coming tonight. Uh, just, neighbor, neighbor, are you, are you there? Could you just open the door? I just want to borrow some bread. I just, I'll just be, I'm not going to bother you a lot. Just, there's no answer. Neighbor, could you open the door? Please open the door. It's, it's really important for me, brother. Please just, and Yeshua said this. But if that man, that neighbor, does not roll out of his bed and come down the stairs and open the door and give him some bread because this man was simply his friend, he would have done so because of this man's persistence in knocking. And so your father is not just a friend. Your father is not the type where when his son asks him for a fish, he's going to give him a snake. No, he says, I will give my Holy Spirit to those who knock, who ask. I will do it. And that's what I'm telling you. Is make sure you're ready for it. Because sometimes we knock, but when the door opens, we're not there anymore. Because we're too afraid. Because it's it's scary. I told you it was. Because here's the reality. It was scary for Moses before that Red Sea. It was, it was, it's always, there's always this carnal part of us that's terrified. This flesh, it's terrified of things of the Spirit. It, the, the Bible says that our carnal mind is at enmity with the Spirit. So if you feel afraid, that's, so What? Yes, you do, but what is going to be most important? What is going to rule you? So you can come tonight and say, Petey, Petey, I need this, I need this. But then tomorrow when you bump into your neighbor and you see your neighbor's a little lost, you just keep it shut. And then you can let Petey pray for you and you can let any guy and anyone pray for you. You can cry out to God as much as you want, and that would all be good. But until you go and you actually put faith in Him and let Him give you that boldness and go forth in that boldness, even though you're afraid, then you'll see. Then you'll see it. And you need to understand, brothers and sisters, one more thing. That you could look at me. I don't want you to be deceived to look at me and think, I'm something. I want you to look at me and think I'm bold. I want you to look at what you see here is Holy Spirit. That's all. Okay? I, I'm not the kind of guy. I don't want you to be deceived because you need to understand that I was the most afraid kind of person, shy, extremely introverted, afraid of the world kind of person. This is who I was. My point is simply this. If God could do it in me, he could do it with anyone, no matter how socially awkward you think you are. And I'm saying this because this is demonstration of the Spirit. God shows the weak. He wants to do it through the weak. Moses was weak. So you feel weak. You say, I'm not like that guy. I don't have. you got no idea what you're talking about. If you feel weak, you're the guy God wants. Because you're not going to think it's you. That's good. So, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, right now. In the name of Yeshua. Father, I just... Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here, Lord, right now. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Just come. Just fill this place. Just fill this place. Just fill this place. And, and right now, if you listen to this, and you listen to what I spoke about, and you say, 
what he said. I don't know if I see that. I don't know if I even want to, but I do. I, I, God, I want this. If you're that person, I want you to raise your hand. And if you're that person, I want you to start coming forward. Because you're going to come before God. This is not about me or before me. This is before the Lord. You're coming. And you're going to say, God, I want your spirit. I need to be filled. So come forward. Here, come forward. Lord, I thank you right now, God. I thank you. Come, Lord. Holy Spirit, come right now. Lord, you see everyone. You see every heart who wants this right now. Lord, I thank you, Lord, right now. You see. Lord, I thank you we can speak in you here. I thank you that what you said, Yeshua, you said that if you ask, I will not withhold this from you. Mm -hmm.